Amen. Well, praise the Lord. That's a great message and song, and boy, that's encouragement for sure. 24 years. 24 years. That's a long time, it seems like, doesn't it? But it's not very long. It goes just like that. It doesn't seem, but yesterday we were sitting over in a Lake Senior Center and uh, having that first service. And uh, I have a couple of journal entries I just want to read just, just for the fun of it. I read this one a lot because it reminds me of how young I was. But uh, it was probably a couple of years. It was two years after we'd already started the church or begun the, the work. Some people say you don't start churches. The church has already been there and all that stuff. I get it. But anyway, we had started the church anyway uh, in, in uh, uh, let's see, March of 94. March of 1994 is when the first service was at least. And it was probably about two, two and a half years later. I see here on 929-1996, a long time ago. It says, I arrived at the bank to pick up the money bag from Sunday. I'd go there and pick up the bag. We'd have to put the offerings in a bag. It would be delivered to the bank and then pick it up on Monday and bring it back, that kind of thing. So we had that. And we needed the bag for the Sunday coming, and it also had the deposit slip in it for our records. That's actually in the notes. But anyway, a new manager had begun working at the bank. And when I sought the bag, she turned, spoke up, and asked her tellers if that kid had been in to pick up the bag before. Had that kid been in to pick up the bag before? And the one teller said, oh, yeah, he's been in here many times. Another one of the ladies said, oh, he's the minister of the church. The manager said, well, I was just asking. They gave me the money bag with a smile, and I couldn't help but think, God has blessed this young man. I was 33 in those days. God has blessed this young man, I thought at that point. To think that I'd go into a bank and they'd say, who's this kid? And I was already the pastor of a church in my mind in that sense. I was blessed. So blessed. God was good to me. Not everything went exactly the way it was supposed to go early on. We had a lot of wonderful days, but I remember when we had our first BBS. And I have a note here again, or a, a, a journal entry, back on uh, 8-11-1998. We were four years into the ministry already before we had our first VBS. And you've got to understand, we didn't have buildings. We were renting a facility at the time, the Lake Senior Center. And as a result of that, we had to meet in our home on Wednesday nights and uh, that kind of thing. And, and so we had our first VBS at my house. And then we had some a neighbor that was at our church, and so we had the four- and five-year-olds over at their house, and we had the rest of the kids in my home, and we were probably about four years old already, and it said, we began VBS yesterday morning. It will be one that I will never forget. Our first day was a doozy. The bus was a half hour late. We had about 20 to 30 more kids present the first day than we had originally expected, The program got started almost one hour late. The rain came in buckets along with thunder and lightning. Alternate plans went into effect. Chinese fire drill. One of the ladies had an asthma attack caused by the cats living in the house where we were holding the preschoolers. We were packed like sardines as we saw 70 kids and 20 workers fill our house. Mass confusion, but God was good. The kids left having fun and coming back. The workers were very positive under the circumstances. Today should go much smoother. And it did. And it did. 
if I recall correctly, that same year, uh, many of you, uh, I don't know if you know who the Herreras are in our church, but Sheena Herrera ultimately married a guy named Ben Warner. Ben Warner was, um, he was the robot for our first VBS, and he wore uh, all kind of metal stuff, made him look like a robot, and he was to something nine, twe- tweezer nine or something, something crazy. Uh, I don't know what it was, but he looked crazy. How many of you know Ben? Just a couple of you. Do. Well, a lot of you know Ben. All right? I'm sorry. But anyway, uh, <clears throat> but anyway, he was Tweezer 9, I think it was called. And boy, I'll tell you what, he's like, I want to see you here today and all that stuff. Anyway, the kids had a great time. We had a wonderful time at BBS. And there were so many stories I could tell about those early years, but we have a 25th year anniversary coming up next year, and maybe I'll share quite a few more. But let's go ahead and take our Bible, turn over to the book of Jeremiah 33.3. As we think about it being Anniversary Sunday, how can we not go back and consider those verses that ultimately kicked off our ministry, that made the difference, that truly impacted not only the leadership, but every member and every person that attended Community Baptist Temple. Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 3. Now take your finger, if you're there, hold it there and get a, go to Psalms chapter 40, verse 3. Psalm chapter 40, verse 3. Jeremiah 33, 3. That's a tall order, that Jeremiah one. You've got to find it. It's a pretty big book. Jeremiah 33, 3. And then turn to book, the book of Psalm chapter 40. We'll probably read 1 through 4. But nonetheless, uh, go ahead and turn there, if you would, please, as well. So we'll have both of those in our possession here as we get things kicked off. Jeremiah 33.3 and Psalm chapter 40, uh, verses 1 through 3. Okay, so the Bible says over in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 33, verse 3, it says, Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and shew thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Over in the book of Psalm, chapter 40, uh, verses 1 through 3, the Bible says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and He inclined unto me, and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of an horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock, and established my goings. And He hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it, and fear, and shall trust in the Lord. Those were the verses that basically Community Baptist Temple was was weaned on, if you will. We grew up with those verses as being the real foundation of our ministry in a sense. And again, we understand salvation. We understand all of those issues. But these verses, Jeremiah 33.3 and Psalm 40, verse 3, rang true in my mind over and over and over again through those years. And the Bible teaches us basically from Jeremiah 33.3 for sure that if we call upon the Lord, He's going to answer in a very miraculous way. And that miraculous way in which he answers will cause many to see, many to fear, and many to trust in the Lord. What what an amazing promise that is. What an amazing promise. God's promise of answered prayer. Well, what what a wonderful thing answered prayer is. I wish I could tell you how God is blessed in both my life and in the ministry over these years. I mean, the many years that we've been, 24 years now, in the ministry. I can't, I wish I could share with you. I wish I could tell you. I wish you could know how God has met the needs of my family and the needs of the church through the years. <clears throat> I have an entry from my journal on uh, the 13th of July, 1995, just a, 
a little after a year, a little over a year into the, the, the uh, ministry, it said things had gotten <clears throat> pretty tight financially after being in the ministry for only one year. Uh, wait, no, it says, I was receiving... Oh, wait a second. Let me, let me set this up, okay? Let me set it up. That's what it is. That's not the entry. The entry comes here in just a moment. Let me set it up by saying things had gotten pretty tight financially after being in the ministry for about a year. Um, at that point, I was receiving $500 a month from the church, and I was working three days a week at a place called Kaufman's Warehouse. I was making $5.50 an hour at that time, and um, yet in spite of all of that, God was meeting our needs. He was doing a miracle in our lives. But I recall one week in particular, on the 13th of July, 1995, um, it, it, I wrote in my journal, last week was a great week of financial blessing. God gave us $220 cash by the end of Sunday. We received an envelope with $100, $20 from someone else, and another $100 from a woman who God had likewise blessed and wanted to share that. She said she was sleeping and had a dream. In her dream, she saw a young man on his knees praying for money. You know who that was. She, she said the man reminded her of me, and when she woke up, God had impressed upon her, impressed upon her heart the need to give, give to us. I'd been praying for finances the past two weeks, and I put, God is good, Jeremiah 33, 3. And I'll tell you what, God met our needs miraculously, supernaturally in those days. And He still does so many times. I mean, sometimes if we're not careful, don't we somehow get the idea that because we go to work, we've earned that money. It's ours now. No, it's really, it's God's. I mean, He miraculously gave you the health you have. He gave you the very ability you have to do the job you're doing. If you are making a wage somehow, some way, then my friend, let me tell you, that is God providing Boy, God is so good. Jeremiah 33, 3, though, call unto me and I will answer thee and shew thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. And it was upon these verses that the ministry of Community Baptist Temple was founded. I believe the Bible concerning prayer. And I believe that God would do as he said and he would answer prayers like he said. When he says that if we'll call on him, he'll answer, that he'll show us great and mighty things. I believe that as a young man. And I still do. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 and 8, the Bible says, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. <laughs> Martin Luther, the figurehead of the Protestant movement, he stated this, he said, None can believe how powerful prayer is and what it is able to affect, but those who have learned it by experience. It is a great matter when an extreme need to take hold on prayer. I know whenever I have prayed earnestly that I have been amply heard and have obtained more than I prayed for. God indeed sometimes delayed, but at last, God came. George Mueller, the great man of God and a man of prayer, once made this statement. He said, it is not enough to begin to pray, nor to pray aright. Nor is it enough to continue for a time to pray, but we must patiently, believingly, continue in prayer until we obtain the answer. And further, we have not only to continue in prayer unto the end, but we have also to believe that God does hear us and will answer our prayers. He concludes by saying, most frequently we fail in not continuing in prayer until the blessing is obtained and in not expecting the blessing. 
He said our failures are because we fail to continue in prayer. We fail to continue to go before the throne of grace. We fail to beg God over and over until the blessing comes. James chapter 4 verse 2. Turn there if you would please. What an amazing passage this is. Tremendous passage. James chapter 4 verse 2. In James chapter 4, verse 2, we read this. It says, Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have, and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. Do you realize what he's really getting at here in the passage, at least from that simple little portion of it? He's basically saying that we are striving, we are working so hard to obtain our own goals. We want something so badly we'll do almost anything for it. The problem is we simply need to pray. The real answer is prayer. The real answer is God. The real answer isn't me, myself, or I. It's Jesus Christ. He's the one who can answer the prayer because He's the one big enough to answer prayer. He owns the cattle on a thousand hill, the wealth in every mind. God is the creator of all the universe. And we simply pray to Him and He can and will answer. How many times in our lives do we come up empty simply because we fail to ask? And if we ask, maybe we don't endure till the blessing comes. We give up before the blessing arrives. As a young man, I don't know about you, but I, I, I remember God answering prayers in my life. I really do. I, I remember what God did so many times. And you know, <clears throat> that experience builds confidence. Maybe you've experienced some answered prayer in your life, and I trust you have. It ought to build some confidence in your life. You've got to get to the place where you, you can say, well, if God did it then, I know He will do it now, and He'll do it tomorrow as well. That's the effect it ought to have. And I still remember when I heard, in a sense, that voice, if you will, or that still small voice. I know today we're not allowed to hear voices because it makes us crazy, I was told, from the view. I guess we've lost our minds. And yet Oprah Winfrey, she's waiting to hear from God whether she should run in a presidential race. I wonder if they'll call her crazy. I'm just wondering. You say, don't get political on me. Okay, well, moving on. I have a real problem with people calling Christians crazy. Just because you hear God, you speak to God because you have a word of God. Let me tell you something. That's not crazy, but it won't be long before we'll be getting thrown in jail for it. So get ready. Hold on to your horses. Life could get pretty rough down the road here if we're going to maintain our Christianity. You say, I'm going to be a professing Christian. You better make sure they're the real deal, not just professing. <laughs> you better be the real deal. You're going to need a strength. Now listen, here we go. So we have this, this Lord, the God of heaven, telling me in my heart, start a church. Man, I'll tell you what, I, I knew I was called to pastor. I knew I was called to the ministry. I wasn't 100% sure what God wanted me to do at that point. But, but he did. And, 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 and that voice of God, I mean, that voice of God, he, 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 he made it clear, start this church. And I'll tell you right then, I wasn't as anxious as I thought I might be by that great honor. I wasn't like jumping on and going, wow. 
I mean, at first I thought, if he tells me to do something, I'm doing it, man. And then he told me to start a church, and there was something inside that said, that might be a little too big for you. That might be a little too much. That might be a little bit beyond your scope of ability or preparation even. Oh, I'd been to Bible college. I'd gone through all of that. I'd been to University of Akron. I did all that. I know what it is to get an education, but I, I wasn't prepared necessarily to stand up and pastor a church or to be the preacher of a church. And I thought for sure, this is if God wants me to do it, I can't wait. I want to build something for God. I want to do something for God. And then God said, do it. And I went, wow, I don't know. It's a big responsibility. And in 1 Timothy 1.12 the, the Apostle Paul said, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. I'll be honest with you. At one point there, early on, I thought, wow, maybe he should find someone else. And I was humbled beyond words. I was intimidated by the dawning task before me. Still, I knew the power of prayer. Why? Because I'd experienced it in my life. I knew what God could do through prayer because I'd seen it in my home. I'd seen it in my relationship. I'd seen it in my, my, my ministry up to that point. Haven't you seen Him in your life? Your marriage? Your home? Your ministry? I hope you have. And I thought to myself, you know what? If God could take care of my life, if He could provide for my family, then He'll be faithful to care for and provide for the ministry too. See, experience brings confidence. I mean, you experience answers to prayer in your life. Next thing you know, you know you can get through the next obstacle. You can go over the next ridge. You can climb the next wall. You can get out of the next valley. You know you can do that. Why? Because God's done it through you already. He said, I'll do it. And he did it. And you say, I trust you. I trust you to do it again. Sometimes people are very hesitant to do what God calls them to do. They're afraid. They're scared. My question is, has he ever done anything for you before this moment? Because if he has, why in the world are you concerned about this thing? God can help you with that, just like he helped you with other things before. He'll answer your prayer now, just like he did then. God's still in the prayer answering business. I heard a good quote a while back. It said, part-time faith is like a part-time job. It'll never fully support you. That's good, isn't it? Part-time faith is like a part-time job. It'll never fully support you. Are you on full-time faith today? You operate in part-time. So many times our failures are a result of a failure, a faith failure. But we've got to get faithful. We've got to believe God can. And not only can, but will. So we serve a God who's big enough to get the job done. Even using us. Even using us. I mean, success in the ministry is not because of us. It's in spite of us. Do you ever think of that, really? You know, sometimes we think we're God's gift to the church. But if it wasn't for us, man, this whole thing would fall apart. If I didn't teach my class, if I didn't run my bus, if I didn't drive it, or if I didn't work in the nursery, this whole thing would fall apart. Yeah, right, whatever. You mean, in spite of you, it's still together. In spite of me, it's still together. Do you ever get that? Do you realize that? I mean, what does God have to work with but sinful flesh? What did Paul say? He said, what good thing dwelleth in this flesh? No good thing, he said, dwelleth in this flesh, is what he said. No good thing. 
And yet we think we're so good that we got something to offer God. No, we have the privilege of serving with Him. We have the honor of serving Him. That is the honor. Serving the Lord. Someone says, well, I think I need a pat on the back for what I've done. Isn't serving Him enough? Now again, I'm not opposed to a pat on the back. I'm not opposed to being recognized for things. I'm not opposed to that at all. But I am going to say this. Whether we are recognized or not, we have the privilege and the honor of just simply serving Him. And that ought to be enough. So success in the ministry is not because of us. It's in spite of us. We were the ones that are privileged to serve. Turn if you would to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 5 and 6. In Ephesians chapter 6, verses 5 through 6, the Bible says, Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in singleness of your heart, as unto Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servant of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. He's talking to servants here. He's talking to those that are in employment in serving others, if you will. He's saying, be obedient to them that are your masters. And we know that in the early church and in, 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 Ro- in, in the Roman Empire, slavery was a real issue. It wasn't something that was going to go away overnight. It took years and years and it took a collapse of a, an entire uh, uh, empire before that ended. The fact is, is that many of the early Christians were slaves. Many of the early Christians were found in, in service to those who were their masters. This is not just talking about going to an employer. It's talking about somebody that legitimately is enslaved to someone. And you find that through the New Testament. Many of the new believers were indeed slaves. And he says to them, servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling in singleness of your heart. How in the world are you supposed to serve a man or a woman who is your, your owner, if you will, or you are a slave to them? How are you supposed to do that with the right spirit and the right attitude, with the right heart? How are you supposed to do that? Well, you certainly aren't going to do it if it's to them you're serving. You're not going to do it if, if it's all based on their spirit, their attitude, and how they view you, and whether or not they pat you on the back or not. You're not going to get that done in that situation with the right way. Let me tell you what he says to his, his new believers here. He says, you are to serve them with fear and trembling and singleness of your heart as unto Christ. He says, listen, you're not serving that master, in a sense, alone. You are serving me in that service. You realize that everything you do, everything you say... It's all to me. It's for my glory. It's for my honor. And someone says, well, I wouldn't put up with that junk from nobody no matter what. That's because you're not under the leadership of the Spirit of God. And you're not in obedience to the Word of God. Of course, every one of us in our flesh want to buck that. Every one of us want to bow up. Everybody in the room wants, doesn't want anybody telling them what to do, whether they're a slave or not. I don't want my teacher telling me that I've got to finish that homework. And I don't want my boss telling me I've got to stay late. I don't want my wife telling me what to do. I don't want my husband telling me well, I have to do this or I have to do that. Nobody wants anybody telling them what to do. But the whole Bible based, the whole Word of God is based on submission and yieldedness and surrender. Jesus Christ Himself going to Mount Calvary and dying in your place and mine. He committed Himself to Him that judgeth righteously. He did that for you. And nothing good would have came if He had stood his ground, and he had held on to his rights and said, I am God. I need not die for those sinners. They can pay their own hell. We'd all be burning. 
But Jesus Christ submitted himself to his own creation. And he paid the price for sin. And he literally took your place on Calvary. And he took my place too. All because he did what he's telling us to do. He did not tell us to do something he would not nor did not do. He only expects us to do what he already showed us through a life of example. God will answer your prayers too. God will work in your life. God will do a miracle in your home, your marriage, your family, if you will put Christ first. It's amazing what God has done. Many of you have been along for the ride. Many of you have been here for years and years and years. I drove to the senior center the, uh, the one evening and I spent a short time in prayer a number of years ago in 1995. place where we began. We started in one room there in the basement. And I remember driving over there. I felt compelled to go there and I did. I asked God to grow the church to overflowing. I asked him just to overflow that place. Not as a result of anything, you know, I do, but, but because they're for him. Um, I wrote in my notes, I have up tonight given up trying to build a, a work for God and have completely turned the job over to him. I'm confident that God will build his church. I cannot explain my confidence except by saying, I believe my prayer is in his will and he has given me peace and surety of its fulfillment. I'll do my best as never before, but will never be able to say I have done it. God has chosen to use Community Baptist Temple to reach this community for his glory. May I and those that follow be faithful to that end. Well, you know what? God has answered that prayer many fold. Just a little over a year after starting the church, I sat in that parking lot and I prayed that prayer and I committed the ministry to God, understanding that it would not be me, it would be him. And I have watched God and you have watched God do miracles. We grew out of that downstairs of the senior center and we ended up in the upstairs as well. Before it was over with, we're using the entire building. Every room, every office, every space was utilized. But in time, that was even insufficient. And God gave us the buildings over at Canton Road and God blessed there. And not long after, we purchased the Pawnee property where we have four acres of ground, a house and a bus garage now where we build on the property in order to deal with and provide the kind of needs for our bus ministry. Back at Canton Road, we were on the move though. God was blessing. And despite the room that afforded, he afforded us early on, in spite of all the space that it seemed like we now had, I mean, we only went into that church at 175 people. It wasn't like we were big. And yet, here we are with all this space. And we're thinking, man, wow. Let me tell you something. You ever been in a new house? And you thought, you're going from an apartment to a house? And you thought, look at all this space. How long did it take before you went, man, we need a new addition? <laughs> you know how it goes. But it wasn't a bunch of junk we were throwing in rooms. It was souls. And God was blessing us with souls. And God was blessing us with people. And God was meeting the need, both financially and, and physically and spiritually. And God was doing a mighty work. As a result, we began to run out of space again. But once again, God did it. The owner of the furniture store was looking to expand his building and he couldn't get zoning approved. And so our property was already zoned commercial and he offered us a trade. He said, listen, I'll give you a house and three lots on this same, same block if you'll just give me a parcel of ground, 50 by 175 feet. And so we made an even trade. 
Didn't cost us a dime. And now we had a house where we placed our, our offices and we made room in our building for more Sunday school space. And we also had extra property over there on the corner. God met the need. Didn't pay a dime for that house. Didn't pay a dime for those three lots. God did it. God answered prayer again. And so, over the next few years, God continued to bless and grow the ministry. And in order to provide needed space, He permitted us to purchase the Bedrooms Today building itself. The very building that we gave or yielded property for, the expansion, now became our building. And so we purchased that building and then we placed our bus ministry in that building and our fellowship hall and we were able to kind of divide out some things so we created some more space in our buildings up top and by putting people in the one down below. But once again, God still was growing the ministry. He was continuing to build the, the work and we ended up buying another piece of property, a house on the same block again. We placed our Spanish ministry into that house. And there they functioned and there they operated there in that house for quite a few years. Again, God just blessing us and God meeting our needs. And over the next couple of years, the buildings were tight and the parking insufficient. And it got to the place where folks were driving through our parking lot with nowhere to pull in. And so, God did it again. We purchased the Carousel Dinner Theater. And after much demolition and plenty of renovation, we now meet in a miracle building here. Amen. This building's a miracle. It's nothing short of a miracle. This is, may have been a vision, but it was a vision that God gave to a man, and that man had a vision. And then the people of God caught that vision, and here we are today because of the obedience of God's people was not one person. It wasn't even just a group of people. It was a congregation. It was a church. It was God's church. And here we are today. What will another year or two hold for us? What great advances for the cause of Christ will be made as a result of a very aggressive, soul-winning church? Only God knows, doesn't He? But I can tell you this. The prayer of a young preacher is being fulfilled every day in this ministry. I'm not so young anymore. I'm not old, although I'm almost a young at heart. I used to think that was old. I don't anymore. But boy, the prayers of a young preacher are still reaping reward. And every day that you pray and I pray, God says, I'm pleased with those prayers to reach a community for Christ, to truly go out and win souls for me and my glory, to expand my kingdom, to make a difference in a world in which we live, to lift up the Lord Jesus Christ who died on Calvary 2,000 years ago, who suffered, bled, and died for our sin. I'll tell you what, the Lord's always pleased to do that. He's pleased. You know, he suffered, as we said, and he, he died for us and on our behalf. What a wonderful thing that is. Isn't it funny what he said when he hung on the cross? What did Jesus say? He said, it is finished. And we say, what in the world was finished? Well, what he was saying is that the work of redemption was complete. The payment was paid in full. 
He was saying that the most vile, most wretched sinner, the most heinous creature of mankind, the most horrible human being, can now be justified and cleansed. He's saying that that soul that was once separated by inherited sin and inherited sin by the sin of Adam could now be justly presented to a perfect, holy, righteous God. He was saying that even you, a sinner, can be forgiven and granted life eternal. That even you and I, vile and wretched as we may be, could now come to God Himself and be received unto Him. The God, the creator of all the universe, a perfect God, sinless God, righteous God. There's nothing good about your sin, and there's nothing good about mine. And yet, God, because it is finished, can now hug us and hold us and love us like He always wanted to. Receive us unto Himself for an eternity. It is finished. He removed and can remove the sin that stands between you and Him today. The words of Christ are sure words. They're tested. They're tried. They're words that you can count on and you can depend on. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20 says, For all the promises of God are in Him. Uh, all the promises of God in Him are yea. And in Him, amen, unto the glory of God by us. I wonder today, are you still in your sin? Are you still bound by your sin? I mean, if you died today, would you literally split hell wide open? For 24 years, the purpose of Community Baptist Temple, one of the great purposes, has been to reach a world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. What a waste of time it would be to simply help you or help humanity eat some temporal food or simply have some clothes on their back without sharing with them the gospel of Jesus Christ? What good would it do if we could place everyone in a mansion on earth but yet burn in hell for eternity? What good would that do? Sure, for the meantime, it may seem wonderful and proper and good, but the fact is, is that it would show that I have a lack of eternal focus. It would, we'd realize that as a church, we have failed to meet the real need in the life. And that's a spiritual need that exists within the deepest recesses of a man or a woman. The fact is, is that we are empty and we are, we are hopeless without Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And if you are without Jesus Christ today, you are a wretched, putrefying sore in the sight of a holy God, my friend. Your sin is so wretched and so wicked that God can't do anything but judge it. But I want you to know that He loved you so much and still loves you to this moment that He gave His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, to go and pay your sin in your stead. To literally pay the price of sin, which is death. To die on Calvary. To shed His precious, perfect blood just for you. That's how much He loves you. You ought to, with all your heart, come begging the mercy of God Oh God, I'm a sinner and I deserve to burn in hell. But I thank you for dying for me and paying for my sin. And he'll hear your cry. And he'll answer it and do a miracle in your life. And like the psalmist, you too can say, He hath put a new song in my mouth. He hath put a new song in my mouth. 
Not the old song, a new one. Even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. Others will see what God has done in your life. And it will make an impact and a difference in their life. Won't you trust Him today as your Savior and Lord? Won't you leave that old wretchedness and say, Lord, I don't want my sin. I want you, my Savior. And if you're a child of God today, I wonder, what's God done for you lately from your perspective? What prayers have been answered? What gives you confidence that the next obstacle in life will not hold you back or shut you down because you've watched God work already and you have confidence that He'll do it again. 24 years God's been doing miracles in my life, my family, in the church. And I trust and I believe that in many of your cases from my own experience viewing and watching He's been doing miracles in your lives too. But hold on. Only you know the truth. May God help us to pray and to truly seek His face like we ought to. That we commit ourselves, our marriages, our families to Him in prayer and our ministry. And let's watch God do a miracle in the next 24 if He gives it to us. Let's let God be real. Let's let God be true. And let God be powerful in each of our lives. Father, we come to you. We thank you.